Hello and welcome to UAQ Pod. I'm Julia. And I'm Sid. And this is episode 11, Who Won the Great Inu War? Yes. Super excited about this. I'm so excited. And it's it's a real thing. I've had some people ask me, is this a joke? And I'm like, no. Why it was like an emu. What's an emu war? <laughs> it's emu. Like the bird. He was, oh, I thought you were naming him. I think in Australia, like, because I think I, I try to say emu, you know, like emu, but it's emu. Like emu. emu at the end. Yeah, we're going down under. Down under. We can't wait. Ooh. Um, But beforehand, any yes. news, updates for you? Oh, for me, any updates? Ooh. Well, I'm going on vacation soon, so. Yeah. We might take a break here and there. I don't know yet. We'll keep you guys updated. Yeah. We're going to try and keep to our schedule, but. We have opposite leaves of absences. <laughs> um, like I go away and then I'm back and then I go away again and then she goes away. Yeah. And then like we're both here for a little bit and then either I go away or we both go away. Something. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a lot summer. to keep up with, but yeah. we might have weeks that we skip, but we, mm-hmm. we're going to try and do our best to stay on track. Yeah. But I think you'll be okay if we skip a week. I don't think you'll miss us too much. Yeah. I hope you do. You will. <laughs> But it would just make everyone want to listen right away the next time. Heck yeah. Um, what about you? Do you have any big freaking news for us today? Julia? I do have some exciting news. Yeah. I'm officially a business owner. Woo-hoo. Cheers. Yay, cheers. We're celebrating some wine. We will have to take a drink. Just for her to pause. <laughs> um, but yeah, very exciting. I launched KKD, which is Coca Creative Designs today officially mm-hmm. pretty much doing the same thing i've been doing but mm-hmm. now it's an official it's business now so, so under the table okay? hit me up if you need any brand development marketing digital content designs literally the list goes on so just all right so we're all settled down now <laughs> i got, <laughs> got a little excited a little no, too excited over, <laughs> over julia's news um <laughs> but we should just we should get right into our mm-hmm. episode here this is actually a recommended episode from i think a listener Listener slash supporter. Yeah. But if not a listener yet, but will be. <laughs> it was a it was just a recommendation thrown out there for us. So from a friend that is a supporter but um hasn't listened to all yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um because I've never heard I actually have never heard about the email award. E- no. Emu? Emu. Emu. I think it's emu. Emu. We say emu, but I'm pretty sure they say emu. Well, that would make sense because Amy, the you. Yeah. Anyway. Should I just get into it? Let's just get into it. So Julie's going to start us off. We're doing a double take today too. So we are going to stay on track. Yes. We're going to make this one a little bit shorter than our other episodes. So we're aiming for like an hour. We'll see what happens though. (laughs) Julie's going to start us off with kind of some background on the emus and I'm going to get into the war. I, and I mean war when I say war. So fucking you'll, war. You'll see. I'm a connoisseur of the emu. <laughs> no. First things first, I do just want to apologize. Um, going back to our ancient hygiene episode, I want to apologize for any confusion. If it did sound like I said Cleopatra wasn't from Egypt, she definitely was from Egypt. And she was the queen. I was just saying she wasn't in ancient mm-hmm. Egyptian times. Right. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. She was actually alive during a more modern era, not during like the pyramid building ancient times. Mm-hmm. 
She lived closer to the launch of the iPhone than the completion of Giza. That's a weird thing to think about. It absolutely is. It's mind-blowing. And that I should have laid out a little bit better when I was like, oh, rewrite history. It's just she was in Egypt. It just wasn't, quote-unquote, the ancient Egyptian Mm -hmm. times. So anyways, getting that out there. I do apologize. Didn't want to make anybody be like, what the hell are you talking about? They think we don't know where Cleopatra's from. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know when she's from, you guys. <laughs> um, so now on to our topic. Yes. Do you know anything about fucking emus? I'm pretty sure they're like the ostrich's cousin. <laughs> Ish. We'll get into oh, that. I did have a pair of emu boots, but I don't know that they were made from emus, but that... It was like, you know when... I'm not awful, okay? I don't... They were like the knockoff of Uggs. I was just going to say, we all had Uggs, and that's probably worse. I didn't have Uggs. I had the emus. (laughs) You remember those bear claw ones, too? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, no, I just had a black pair of emus, and it was like white fur inside. I I had emus, too. See, I don't think it had anything to do with the animal. No. But... Were they from Australia, too? I have no idea. Uggs from Australia, I believe, right? I don't remember. Down under. Down under. Give me your best Australian accent. Uh, I need something to say. <laughs> oh my god! But I am gonna marry Danny Rick. You know who that is? No. Ah, uh, Formula One. Well, oh, my he's now a. Is that the one that you and my mom like both like? Yeah, and uh, Lauren Shrechen. Ah, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Code names. Code names. Ah, the sh and a beat before. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. No, is. Well, his last name's like Ricardo, right? Ricardo, yeah. I guess it was just saying Rick threw me off. Daniel Ricardo. Except he's Australian, so whatever, <laughs> I just did this. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> but he's famous for the shoeies. Anyways, I do want to say trigger warning mm. for our episode. Yes. For any animal lovers. Mm-hmm. We do kind of talk about animal deaths. Yes, but no animals will harm during the recording of this episode. Yes. I promise you that, 100%. We are covering this mainly because the outcome is amazing. <laughs> and it's not what you expect. It's not going to be as brutal. I mean, maybe. But just a trigger warning if you do love animals. You know, we're not advocating for any harm to come to emus. No. But anyways... According to Encyclopedia Britannica, that's where I got most of my stuff, but all the sources, you're right, I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, All my sources will be linked in our show notes. So more came from other places. But anyways, emus are birds. Thank you. They're also known as, bear with me, Dromaeus novaeholandiae. How do you get the most complicated things to pronounce? You always do. (laughs) Or... Domitius Novaholandiae, commonly known as the common emu. Well, that's just the Latin name, I assume. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, it looks Latin. <laughs> I think that's where that all comes from, I right? So. so they are flightless birds of Australia. Down on the. <laughs> they are the second largest living bird. And they are more than five feet tall, or 1.5 meters. And they may weigh more than 100 pounds, 45 kilograms. So they're as tall as me. Yeah, dude. They're fucking big. The emu is the sole living member of the family Dromaeidae or Dromaeidae of the order Casuariformes. If there are any like scientists, whatever. I don't think scientists are going to be listening to our episodes. Don't come at me. (laughs) 
Which also includes the cassowary. So if you're on my drive, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll have the some pictures included in our show note link right. with our sources as well, if you want to look at them. Right. So the first picture you'll see is like an emo, but the cassowary is like that big, long, it has like long, fine feathers mm-hmm. that are black. It has this little pokey thing on the head and then the blue neck and head. Honestly, pretty creepy, but pretty. Can I show you something? That like... Do you have one? No, but I was like... <laughs> oh, yeah. I just was... So my mother is obsessed with Timu, which is the site you buy cheap things from. And she gave me these weird black thick feathers. Wait, she just bought them? Yes. <laughs> including other things. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with these, mom? So, like, I put them around. And I was, like, looking at this and, like, hmm. It looks like a cassowary. Like a, a bird feather. But not quite, you know, an emu. But this matches this that picture That is so right funny. <laughs> so yeah, you can be like, this is a cassowary's feather. It is authentic. Anyway. He is going to come out. I thought that was funny. <laughs> the common emu. They are stout-bodied and long-legged, and both sexes are brownish with a dark gray head and neck. They can run or dash at nearly 30 miles per hour or dash. 50 kilometers per hour. That's fast. It is, right? Pretty freaking fast. 30 miles per hour. Yeah. I it's mean, fast. You think about going like that in your car and you just see an emu running alongside. You're like going through town and the emu is like out running you. <laughs> So, if cornered, they will kick with their big three-toed feet. I included a picture of a foot. I see that. This doesn't, it's not a human foot, so it doesn't creep me out. Um, the middle one toe is so long, dude. It looks like, like, a raptor's, like... That's what I was just thinking. It looks like a dinosaur. A dinosaur. So, emus are polyandrous, meaning one female has multiple partners, but the males do typically mate for life. Huh. The male, when we're going to get into, like, some of the mating and all reproduction, but short little blurb right here. Male, the males incubate 7 to 10 dark green eggs, which are about 12 centimeters long, so, like, 5 inches, in a ground nest for about 60 days. And then the striped young soon run with the adults after birth. Again, I have a picture of... They're super cute. They're freaking adorable. They're all like, they're striped. They're like black and white stripes. But the head is kind of like a cheetah or a leopard pattern. Yeah, it's spotted. It's so cute. And it has like the really fine fluffy fur. They're so cute. And then little butts. Where are their wings? They look just like, oh, they have his legs. It does look like they... Yeah, they're so cute. So in small flocks, they forage for fruits and insects, but may also damage crops, which we'll get into. (laughs) That that will come back later, so remember that fact. The peculiar structure of their trachea is correlated with the loud booming note of the bird during breeding season. If you're interested, I will play that. Please. (laughs) Do it. It sounds like a pig snorting. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I expected like a squawk. Mm-hmm. No, they say it can kind of sound like a drum. Like, Interesting. So weird. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to come up on the microphone, so you guys may or may not listen to that. You might just cut it out. <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. Go so there are three subspecies. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and just type in the sound of an emu, <laughs> you can find it. But there are three subspecies 
recognized, inhabiting northern, southeastern, and southwestern Australia. A fourth, which is now extinct, lived on Tasmania. The common emu is the only survivor of several forms exterminated by European settlers, which we could do an episode just on that. Hmm. The International Union for Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources, IUCN, lists... Shouldn't it be IUCNN? Anyways, lists the common emu as a species of least concern. Ecological studies estimate that there are more than 630,000 adult emus and note that emu populations are likely stable. Wow. Yeah, so there was a lot. The King Island emu, which is D minor, menor, I mean, menor. <laughs> no idea. A species found only on King Island in the Bass Strait was last seen in the wild in 1802, and the last captive specimens died in 1822. The Kangaroo Island emu, D. Bodinianus, found only on Kangaroo Island in South Australia, was likely hunted to extinction prior to 1827. So, do people eat them? Or do they just use their feathers? I actually didn't look into that, but because of how many there are, I feel like at least the eggs they would probably use. definitely the eggs. Especially if they're laying 7 to 10, and then we're going to get into, like, how many they Mm -hmm. batches they lay but um yeah i was actually curious what like emu eggs emu eggs tasted like because like ostrich eggs are popular right yeah and that's what i was kind of thinking and great segue into my next part Mm. are you going to tell me the difference because i'm still pretty sure they're the same bird yeah so they're not the same bird but they're similar they're both flightless right yeah and of course we had to compare emus and ostriches because we both at first i was like i definitely know what i'm talking about and then i was doing research and i definitely was thinking about an ostrich first (laughs) so let's break that shit down okay the two do not seem to be obviously genetically related but they are from the same family of flightless birds called the rat tights the rat tights include kiwis cassowaries ostriches rhea and emus kiwis are so cute i they are, but they're not. They're like anteater like birds. They're cute. Yeah. So I do have a kiwi posted because I already put a cassowary up there. Ostriches we'll get into. And then a rhea. Um, so I guess we should describe. A kiwi is actually really short. Shorter legs. Or it looks shorter than the other ones. But kind of like rounder. Mm-hmm. And it has a really long, narrow... It kind of has like a mouse head with a really long, narrow. It kind of looks like a possum head, sort of, to me, with a like a long anteater nose. Yeah, but it's a a beak, I assume, right? Yeah. And then the rhea is very similar to, actually, kind of a mixture of an ostrich and emu. Mm -hmm. Which I didn't know what a rhea was before this. Mm -hmm. So me either. Anyways, not not a focus. On average, the common ostrich weighs between 139 to 320 pounds, which is 63 to 145 kilograms. They're so sweet for, like, doing the conversions. I didn't do that for you guys, so fuck off. I'm looking out for our European listeners. <laughs> I'm American. Damn right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The height of a male ranges... This is ostriches again. The height of a male ranges from... 6 feet 11 inches to 9 feet 2 inches, so 2.1 to 2.8 meters. Females range from 5 feet 7 inches to 6 feet 7 inches, so 1.7 to 2 meters. The That first one, male, you said could get up to 9 feet. Yeah. Holy shit. Isn't that massive? There aren't even people that big. I mean, there are, but not common. There's like maybe a few. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So they are 
quite large. Could you imagine running into a nine-foot bird? Like a big bird. No. I'll cry. If it was, like, coming at you. Anyways, on average, on average the common emu weighs between 40 pounds to 132 pounds, or 18 to 60 kilograms. The average heights of emus are 5 feet 1 inch for females and 4 feet 8 inches for males. So 1 point. You say 5 feet and 1 inch. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly my height. Just saying. So, yeah, so you could emu. be a female emu. I am. You are. Yeah. I didn't do the meter conversion. So for female emus, that's 1.56 meters and males 1.48 meters. Ostriches are around three times heavier than emus and a quarter taller at least. Huh. Ostriches are much stronger and more powerful, but emus are still very large amongst other birds. Their huge bodies and wings supply their extra weight, while emus have comparatively smaller wings. Another key difference is that the female emus are taller and heavier than male emus. This is not common amongst other birds, or honestly, like, many species in general, which I'm going to break that down later on. I just think that's, like, really interesting, though, Mm -hmm. because... Yeah, it isn't common. But on the contrary, male ostriches are much larger and heavier than female ostriches, and males can double in weight. That being said, who is freaking faster? Because speed is everything. (laughs) (laughs) I always felt like ostriches were very fast, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But we just learned emus are pretty fast. So what do you think? I think ostriches are probably still faster. Yeah, but they have more weight. True, but inertia was just going to carry. They're also nine feet tall, so just like one stride goes like a mile more. That's so scary. And when I think of ostriches, I like, there's, what's that movie with like Adam Sandler and is it Jennifer Aniston and they pretend to be like, is it The Murder Mystery? No, no, no. It's not newer. It's like, they go on vacation with Oh yeah, sweet. Um, Her kids, they're just like divorced, I think. Yeah, but but what's it called? When they go to the island, mm-hmm. and then they and fall in love, an ostrich. and he has that fake, like, the wife. Yeah. But there's, isn't there, like, a little ostrich thing, and they're, like, riding an ostrich or something? <gasps> something? Something like I'm, like, picturing a movie, but I don't remember it being a real one. You're, like, I'm not saying I'm wrong. Not, I could definitely be confusing multiple movies, because it happens. Well, no, that's what I do. You're normally pretty good at it. But I feel like it has something to do with one big adam sandler fan two adam sandler and jennifer aniston together just Mm -hmm. did you watch murder mystery too no you have to you have to yeah i just love them no i haven't seen them i'd like to anyways anyway sorry got off topic oh we're good I mean, I'm blowing through mine, so we're good. Ostriches are capable of reaching faster speeds than emus, so you are right. Ding, 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 ding. Drink up. Okay. That's what you win. The wine you're providing. (laughs) The ostrich is the fastest animal on two legs and can comfortably achieve a top speed of 40 miles per hour, or 70 kilometers per hour. Which I is only miles per hour, not to correct you. What did I say? Forty. Oh, I'm sorry. It is forty-five miles per hour, which is That's not fine. that much slower than a cheetah. I was about to say cheetahs yeah. are sixty. I was about to say sixty. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, still fifteen miles. Like they're gonna mm-hmm. outrun them, but like that's but wild. the ostrich is like the second fastest, right? I don't know. Is that a no, probably not. I think a bird. Yeah, the, and this is birders. the fastest bird. Yeah. It's the fastest. It might be the fastest, second fastest animal. 
I'm not really sure. Didn't look into ostriches that much. Yeah, not the focus. Both birds have tremendous stamina and can sustain high speeds for long durations. Ostriches are the best marathon runners on the planet and can be can run at speeds of around 35 miles per hour for some 30 minutes to one hour. Holy shit. Enabling it to run a 26-mile human marathon in 45 minutes, which my record's 44. Shut so. up. Get at me, ostriches. Stop. <laughs> That's oh God, Could you imagine I'd fucking die? That's nuts. Yeah, that actually 26 blew miles in 45 minutes. 45 minutes. What is, like, the record? Has a human ever done that? Human record for marathon. <laughs> it has to be at least a couple hours, right? <laughs> the world record for men is two hours. For 26 miles? And one minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be, that is, it's because of the stamina. Mm-hmm. Because they can just keep going at the same mm-hmm. pace. So, That's the emus, the emu also packs plenty of stamina and can run nonstop for half an hour or longer, cruising at a generous 25 to 30 miles per hour for that full time. hmm So, also pretty quick. Still, no, not at all. So, it would be able to do the marathon, just not at that, mm-hmm. like, record time. Probably, like, an hour. Yeah. Both birds have exceptionally long, strong, and specialized legs with large feet that I showed earlier. Their legs work somewhat like elastic, enabling them to cover many meters in one stride, which is wild. It's like like a rubber man. What? <laughs> like one of those like elastic things. What are you talking about? I don't know. Ostriches tend to be much more aggressive <laughs> and have been recorded viciously attacking attacking and even killing humans shit their kicks are so powerful it can kill a lion shit so that's the difference between an ostrich and an emu again there is a comparison photo you can see the emus have like this bear it looks like those naked cats like the Siamese cats like their bare mm-hmm. heads and legs but then they have the black long feathers and then the emus are brown kind of a black and white head Mm-hmm. The ostrich's legs are crazy. Look at the muscles. I, I was just about to say, they do not skip leg day. Um, And I didn't say this, but I mean, I did say emus live in Australia, but ostriches live in Africa. Emus can, they must drink water daily where ostriches can go days without water. Obviously, Africa, pretty common for the most part for some of those species. But mm-hmm. so moving back to just emus. <laughs> I'm glad did that, that answer your question, though? It did. I'm because it answered mine, too. Yeah, I'm glad that you did the comparison because... I was confused. I thought they were too. more similar. I thought they even looked alike, and they really don't. No, they don't. I also thought they looked alike. I thought that their sizes were about the same. I kind of thought in my head when we were thinking of emus that they were the fastest bird because I was confusing it with ostriches. So I think that it was just helpful. Anyways. And the must-drink-water daily, keep that in mind, too, because that comes back later. Their reproduction and nesting. I said we were going to get back to this. Like I mentioned, female emus are larger and heavier than males, which is pretty unusual to all species, but why? Female emus are dominant and polyandrous, meaning they mate with multiple males. Again, said it earlier, but usually they mate with two or three males a year. And then the males incubate the eggs as the female wanders off to find another mate to breed with. Male emus may incubate and brood chicks from multiple fathers as well. Females compete with each other over unpaired males. 
and then they can lay as many as three clutches per year. So they're laying... So like a litter. Yeah, clutches are the seven to ten eggs that are laid, like, in that breeding period. So potentially they can lay, like, 30 eggs a year. That's a ton. That's so many. I wonder how many actually make it. I know, that's what I was wondering, too. I mean, their population, they do have a... Mm -hmm. For just being in Australia, that's a pretty large Mm -hmm. population. So some emus mate... Emu mates will stick together for longer than a breeding season, so they could be, um, like, they could partner for life or more than one season. But for the most part, the males are more loyal and the females are like, I'm going to get my dick. <laughs> I don't know if they have dicks, but I assume. Yeah, how do they mate? Did you look that up? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> we said we were trying to keep it free. <laughs> I think it's pretty aggressive. With <laughs> <laughs> like they're drumming, like what is like they do? What are they bird dicks though? Like, oh my god! Like a horse dick comes out of that. <laughs> so researchers believe that reproductive dominance is why female emus are larger and heavier than males, <laughs> which is like makes sense because. For the most part, other species, the males are larger. This picture that you have of their eggs is gorgeous. Aren't they stunning? They're they look like they're sparkly green eggs. Like they're beautiful. Yeah, they're they like emerald. Yeah, so they have like the glittery. emerald green color. It's not glittery, but it looks gl- it's glittery because like they have inside. these white right. speckles. They're so big. They're huge, <laughs> but they're beautiful. A beautiful green. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So good. They should use these for their omelet contests in, um... I was thinking... Where was that? Again. France. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. So their diet and foraging. Like I said before, they eat plants and insects, but they're omnivores consuming a wide range of plants, animals, and insects. They are fond of giant insects like large beetles, centipedes, and spiders, but they will eat small animals and reptiles. Well, they're in the right area. For sure. Go eat those giant fucking spiders, please. <laughs> Disgusting. Weren't they poisonous? Wouldn't they have killed them? No, I'm sure they wouldn't. They, they consume large volumes of stones and grit, which helps them grind and digest food in their gizzards, which are specialized stomachs. Whereas mm-hmm. don't have teeth, so their gizzards help them chew food. So they're using that, you know, to grind. Mm-hmm. Emus have very large gizzards due to consuming large volumes of dry grasses. Their lifespan. So, on average, they do live around 20 years in the wild. I found a couple varying things. It mainly was between 10 and 20. Obviously, it's the wild, so it probably mm-hmm. just depends on... Still a long time. Yeah, certain aspects. But up in captivity, they can live up to 35 mm-hmm. years. And their behavior. They live predominantly in flat and arid climates... To handle their environment, they travel long distances in search of food and water, and they can cover many hundred of miles in a week. Like a camel. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're docile birds, except for the females during the breeding season. They can be rather protective, which, honestly, what species do you know mm-hmm. isn't, for the most part? Oh, that's funny. For the most part, they are peaceful and friendly animals. They have a gentle demeanor and are curious by nature, often coming right up to humans given the opportunity. I know. (laughs) Makes me, like, more sad. (laughs) So they're known for their intelligence and their ability to recognize patterns. They can be terrified. Oh, wait a second. Say that again. They're known for their intelligence and their ability to recognize patterns. 
Is that going to come That's in later? Amazing. Oh, It might. Well, but it, it makes sense for what I will get into. Mm-hmm. And they are kind of like dinosaur-y looking. And they're so big. So I wonder like how long. I didn't look into that, which I don't know how, like how we would. I don't, I'm not sure how long animals have been around. Right, I don't know. I guess we could look it up. Maybe during your part. They can be territorial, like I mentioned, especially during breeding season. And if provoked or concerned, they can attack with their sharp talons or powerful legs. And that can cause serious injury or death in extreme cases. Such attacks are rare and fatalities are even more rare. Typically, they only attack when they feel threatened or if food sources are limited due to overcrowding in their territory. When those bitches are hangry. (laughs) I get it. Relatable. Um, So that's why it's important not to feed them indiscriminately or overcrowd them in captivity. Mm -hmm. Because they can be more violent um, and threatening. Reports of emu attacks resulting in a range of injuries in Australia and in wild animal parks, emu farms, and zoos across the world are not uncommon. There, This is a little dated, but there were more than 100 occurring in 2009 alone. Wow. However, wild emu attacks are extremely rare. It's mainly in captivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people are assholes. I have a picture of an emu face and just like, this is so beautiful. Yeah. Like, smile. Smile. His eyes are so beautiful. You know. Oh, I just want to scratch his little fucking head. <laughs> All right, so this is my last part, and this is going to be a weird question. You're going to be like, well, maybe not you, but people are going to be like, why the fuck did you look this up? But can emus survive a bullet? Hmm. Bottom line is no, but their tough feathers may provide protection, and it takes an average of 10 bullets to successfully kill an emu. Interesting. This is likely due to emus tending to panic and blindly run away when threatened, making them very difficult targets. Additionally, their fast speed makes them challenging to hit with a bullet. While they may not be able to survive one bullet, they are unlikely to survive multiple shots. Okay. And now I hand it over to you. That is the perfect segue to bring us into... The Great Amy War, okay? I can't wait. So go ahead and go over to my dock here. I have a couple pictures at the beginning. Oh, I'm here. All right. Oh, look at them. Fluffy. Yeah, there's a fluffy. So go ahead. You can look through these before I get started if you want. So you have some pictures of some emus, the cuties. And then there's like some douchebag holding up a one that was killed as a trophy. And then you'll see a picture of, this is a, a picture. The thing's almost the size of that dude. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like as tall as him. And another picture here. This is not during the Emu War. This is during World War One because this is around the time that this yeah. is going to be occurring. But this is just to show you weapon reused during World War One. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a big gun. And then we have some land that was sort of destroyed. And I'll get into all this. I just kind of want to give you a little background before I talk about it. And I threw in a couple, like, little memes here if you want to look at it. <laughs> so who would win? <laughs> you guys are not ready for this, I'm telling you. Um, so there's a couple... What kind of graphs are these called? Like, just the comparison? No. Comparison graph? Isn't there, like, an official name? I don't know. Anyway. It's a chart with a line in the middle that separates the two. It's a T... T-shirt. There we go. We got there. We got there. (laughs) Shapes and letters. Okay. So on one side, so this is who would win. On one side, we have a formal colony with a population of 6 million. (laughs) 
On the other side, we have 600,000 Walmart brand ostriches. <laughs> I'm so glad I covered the ostriches. <laughs> and then I threw another picture in here. Who would win? Oh my god. We'll post, we should post these memes to our like story or something. Oh, we week. could. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. We should do more stories, actually. We should just like throw random pictures mm-hmm. leading up to the episodes. Another one here, who would win? On the left side, we have the whole Australian army. <laughs> and on the right side, we have some fast boys. Boys. Some fast boys. <laughs> and then we have another one with an emu with like an army helmet on. He's got a cigarette hanging out of his beak. And he's holding a, a gun. And it's like an article. And the title says, Australia warns Putin we have emus and we aren't afraid to use them. <laughs> So I wanted to throw these in to give you a good chuckle. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Julia certainly is. Look out North Korea. Look out China. Look out Russia. (laughs) We've got emus. Can you imagine? No. All right. So let's get through this, okay? So it's known as the Great Emu War. And before looking into this, what did you think this was going to be about when you hear Great Emu War? Do you picture like tribes of emus fighting over territory? Uh, see, when this topic was brought up, we both were, because I, like, we were trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, someone said this, but I don't really, I'm very unsure. I had no idea what it was. I was like, I didn't, emu war. I didn't really picture humans versus emu. No, I didn't either, in any sense. In a legit, like, a legit war. war. No, I didn't, didn't picture that. I was thinking more, like, different tribes of emus going at it yeah something along those lines that's not the case yeah it's humans versus emus (laughs) humans okay so in short what it is is this war was basically a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in australia over the later part of 1932 let me tell you the management is poor (laughs) so it was basically a war on emus which just sounds like such a fucking joke to me but it's not it is real it's so real yeah and this occurred November 2nd through December 10th. I'll say that again. November 2nd through December 10th. So a little over a month mm-hmm. in 1932. It was planned by a man named George Pierce, who was the Minister for Defense of Australia. And it was executed by Royal Australian Artillery, led by Major Gwynedd Purves Winnin Aubrey Meredith. Isn't that the I'm name? Just say Meredith. Because he's got a lot of names. And he deserves Meredith. (laughs) I like Meredith better. So we're going to go with that. So this was all following World War One, And just a reminder, World War... World War One was 1914 to 1918. After the war, there were a large number of discharged veterans who served during the war. And they were kind of displaced in a way. So the government was like, hey... We'll give you this land, and you can farm it, and we'll buy it from you. Mm-hmm. So they were supposed to take up farming within, like, the Western Australian area, and it was often in agriculturally marginal areas. Mm-hmm. I saw It's that. not usually, like, a great area for farming anyway. They were supposed to be farming wheat, and the government would buy it from them. And around this time, too, we had the Great Depression, and farmers were encouraged to increase their wheat crops after that as well. The government had promised to deliver assistance to them in the form of subsidies, but they never really followed through on that. They Shocking. Were like, hey, we'll buy this from you. 
And at, I think at first they were like paying them. I, I don't know the exact I, amounts, but wasn't it like there was a large demand and then kind of demand fell or something, or was something, it just the price of the wheat fell? The price fell, and so they were paying them quite a bit at first, and then it dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, pissed the farmers off because they're going through all this work. They're like, "Hey, you gave a scientist this job, I've fought for this country too, and now you're not even paying me yeah. what it's worth anymore." By October of 1932. Things were intense, to say the least, and the farmers were preparing to harvest the season's crops while simultaneously threatening to refuse to deliver the wheat to them. Which is right in its own sense. I mean, you can't just stop your farming. Yeah, you have to just do it, but then you can, yeah. You can still, you know, not sell it. But then, the problems grew even more for the farmers when there was 20,000 emus arriving on their land. Can you imagine? No. (laughs) 20,000. So emus regularly migrate after their breeding season, heading to the coast from the inland regions. They mm-hmm. moved. Which I didn't cover, which I should have, but I figured it was going to be brought up yes. in this. So I didn't get much into it, but other than they moved based on where they could find food and water, mm-hmm. and they're known to follow rain-bearing clouds for hundreds of miles to find resources. And they do need water daily, mm-hmm. so especially in these lands, like Australia is not... For the faint of heart. Mm-mm. Like, I mean, it's a rough environment. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they have to follow, you know, the, the weather. And it's so smart, too, to know to just, like, follow a rain-bearing cloud. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the rain. Patterns. Mm-hmm. It does come in. See? <laughs> smart. It'll come up again in here, too. They found a good habitat at these fields because there was cleared land and there was additional water supplies being made available by the farmers. Makes sense. So they're like, okay, I'm going to set up shop here. This is my home now. So the emus consumed and spoiled the crops (laughs) and they left large gaps in the fences where rabbits could enter and other animals and cause further damage. It's kind of like, in a sense, it's kind of like deer here. Yes. Like we've had the issues with deer. Obviously that's why there's the hunting seasons and Mm -hmm. things like that. And they do damage crops, but <laughs> we won the war on the deer. We do every every season. I'm pretty sure we win. Oh my god, I love open season. The movie. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. One of my favorites. It's so good. Oh, oh, all right. Anyway, not so, idiot Elliot. <laughs> I haven't seen that in so long now. Oh, I want to watch it now. I'm gonna go scrappy. The farmers were obviously. Upset by this, so they relayed their concerns about the birds destroying their crops and met with the Minister of Defense, Sir George Pierce, that I mentioned earlier. And having just served in World War I, the ex-soldiers, who were now the farmers, were still aware of the, or, or sorry, were well aware of the effectiveness of machine guns. And so they requested their deployment. Logical. Yes. Let's just go straight to shooting them with machine guns. Mm-hmm. Let's not, you know... Beat around the bush. Let's just go straight for it. So their request was approved, but with some conditions. The guns were to be used by military personnel. Troop transport was to be financed by the Western Australian government. And the farmers would provide food, accommodation, and payment for the ammunition. Were there two separate governments in Australia? Do you know? I don't know. At the time? Okay. I don't know that. But like most of these farmers were, what they call them is like soldier settlers. Mm -hmm. Like hyphened. Soldier settlers. Okay. So they were from the war and then they kind of settled as That makes farmers. sense. So a lot of them were ex-soldiers. Mm-hmm. This whole 
operation was also supported on the grounds that the birds would make good target practice. Which I guess is fair because we said how they're hard targets, but mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. So I believe they had like the Australian army as the ones, but the the soldier settlers are the ones who were like, hey, we use these in the war. They'd be great to use on these birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't, like, go into detail like you. I just kind of skimmed mm-hmm. to know what it was we were talking about. But from my understanding, it was the Australian Army, the vets, in a sense, mm-hmm. just had, like, a say in some of them, mm-hmm. but they weren't actually the ones fighting. No, they were the ones kind of – they were providing food and accommodation for okay. the ones fighting. Okay. I don't even want to say fighting. It's nuts, but – Basically, they were now armed with two Lewis guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. So the picture I had in there earlier of the war, the scene from the war with the machine gun in it, is a Lewis gun. Okay. So it's just a type of machine gun. However, after this was approved, the operation was delayed briefly by a period of rainfall that caused the emus to scatter over a wider area. Well, even with 10,000 rounds of ammunition, if it takes an average 10 bullets to kill an emu, they would only kill 1,000 emus out of 20,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> so after the rain stopped, troops were then deployed with orders to assist the farmers. And according to the newspaper account, they were supposed to collect 100 emu skins so that their feathers could be used to make hats for light horsemen, which is just fancy for, like, There has to be other ways to use their stuff, not just feathers. To make hats. For the horse. Okay. Nuts. Make a pillow, okay? Their first attempt in this operation. Oh, first. First attempt. I mean, there's more than one. (laughs) So the men traveled to, I don't, I didn't look up how to say it, but I don't know if it's Campion. It's probably nothing that we it's probably just not. think about, like Melbourne. Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's spelled like champion without the H, so it's like campion. Or I think campion works. I'm just going to go with it. Campion. Campion. I don't know. So men traveled to Campion where about 50 emus were sighted. The birds were out of range of the guns, so the local settlers attempted to herd them into an ambush, but the birds split into smaller groups and ran so that they were difficult to target because they're fucking smart right and they notice patterns and everything mm-hmm. so but after two rounds of gunfire there were a number of birds that were killed and later that day a small flock was encountered and about a dozen birds were killed but again we started with like twenty thousand birds mm-hmm. okay so, so barely still, even a den mm-hmm. not saying all barely any were killed so it's okay but it's just yeah. in the grand scheme of things it's like what is the point what you're doing you're not doing yeah so by November 4th, Meredith, <clears throat> he established an ambush near a local dam, and more than 1,000 emus were spotted heading towards their position. The gunner, were they, like, running after them? <laughs> <laughs> the gunners, which are the ones who, you know, are using the guns, mm-hmm. waited until the birds were in close proximity before firing. But one of the guns jammed after only 12 birds were killed, and the remainder of the birds scattered. So again, that was more than, they had two Lewis guns. Okay. At this point, there was a thousand that they spotted. They waited till they got close. They started to fire, but one of the guns jammed after 12 birds were killed. And the remaining, you know, 988. Thank you. Scott. So no more birds were spotted that day. Yeah, they're like, we're hiding. That was a fail. By the fourth day of the campaign, army observers noted that, quote, each pack seems to have its own leader now. 
a big black plumed bird, which stands fully six feet high and keeps watch while his mates carry out their work of destruction and warns them of our approach. That's so, animals are so fascinating. It's so wild. That is so crazy. They just like, they voted on who is going to be the lookout for the group of birds. It was probably a female. It could be. <laughs> six probably. feet high? It's probably the high, yeah, the biggest one. They're like, you watch out for us. Don't come near my babies. At one stage, Meredith went so far as to mount one of the guns on a truck. This ended up being ineffective and was just fucking dumb. And as the truck was unable to gain on the birds, because again, the birds can run fast. And like, and I'm sure trucks then weren't going that fast. One of their plan wasn't like terrain. that much, yeah, clear cutting. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't... It's- Yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) So they they mounted a gun on a truck, (laughs) and they couldn't gain on the birds. And the ride was so rough that the gunner wasn't able to fire any shots. (laughs) So they spent this time like mounting it onto a truck for no reason. Is that where like big like tanks with guns come from? I'm not sure when tanks started. Yeah, Hmm. but they had the idea, I guess. By November 8th, which at this point is six days after the first engagement with the birds, 2,500 rounds of ammunition had been fired. Okay. Decent amount. Decent amount. The number of birds that were killed is a little uncertain. There were some accounts that estimate estimate about 50, while others range from 200 to 500. And those 200 to 500 range mostly came from the settlers. And some were just being like big dick energy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got like 200. Yeah. So Meredith's official report noted that his men suffered no casualties. <laughs> Could you fucking imagine if there were casualties? He died from an emu war. <laughs> no. And it's just like on your, your fucking tombstone. He served his country great. He died during the great <laughs> He died during the great emu war. Oh god. 1932. Yeah, it's it's nuts. And following negative coverage, can you believe that? There was negative coverage of the events by local media. Pierce, who again was the Minister of Defense, he withdrew the military personnel and the guns on November 8th. So he's like, we're done. I kind of thought about that, like, when I was reading about this, I was like, I cannot believe. I mean, the time, I guess maybe not as many activist groups, but I was like, I cannot believe anybody's, like, mm-hmm. not red flagging this. Mm-hmm. I I was somewhat surprised just because of the time. I felt like probably no one gave a shit. Yeah. Kill the animals. We want the land. Mm-hmm. But and I'm we're fighting it. our own wars with humans. And I don't know exactly what the negative coverage was. If it was just like, these guys are idiots. I don't know why they're doing I this. I think, maybe I'm wrong. I think I read something like it got over to Europe. Right. And yeah, some it wasn't of just that they started getting a lot countries. of like mm-hmm. backlash from that. But I, yeah, I'm not really sure like what. But it had like local media. So yeah, I think they were oh, just kind of making media. fun of what they were doing. I would be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. We're spending our hard-earned tax money on, on this. On you guys. I know I mentioned a first attempt. There was a second attempt. After the, the withdrawal of the military, the emu attacks on the already fragile crops continued. The birds totally flattened crops over large areas and fields that previously returned six bags per acre, and they were now only returning two bags. That's so that sweet. So yeah, it went from six bags to two. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a, a big loss. So farmers, again, asked for support. They're like, hello, we need, we need help. The hot weather and the drought brought emus invading farms in the thousands. And they just couldn't. There's nothing that they could do. So James Mitchell, who was the premier of Western Australia, 
lent his strong support to the renewal of the military assistance. At the same time... Can I just pause you for mm -hmm. a second? Of all the options, and you humans have dealt with animals for so long, mm -hmm. you thought military was, like, the best solution. I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. But it's just... We're dealing with some really smart cookies here. <laughs> at the same time, a report from the base commander was issued that indicated 300 emus had been killed in the initial operation. Do you believe that? Do you think no. they killed that many? I don't. I don't either. So acting on the requests in the base commander's report, by November 12th, a happy birthday to me, the Minister mm -hmm. of Defense approved a resumption of military efforts. He defended the decision in the Senate, explaining why the soldiers were necessary to combat the serious agricultural threat of the large enemy population. So this, like, went to, this was, went to their Senate and was like, can you imagine being the one to explain why we need to do this? Listen, we need to approve us having a military operation because, I mean, I guess for the time it's not that mind-blowing. But think about that now. I just can't imagine it. Oh my god, people would laugh. People lose their shit over oh, animal cruelty. It would be so bad. Mm -hmm. I would feel bad. I remember I, during our Easter episode, I didn't like the Great Easter Bunny Hunt in New Zealand. I didn't like that they were killing the bunnies. It's still stand by like the hunting season and stuff for population. I mean, we should have a hunting season for humans because we need some population control. <laughs> Purge. <laughs> I don't know about that. We just need another wave of COVID. I think we're fine. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Great is less sinister. <laughs> anyway. We lose more people from the opioid epidemic than we did with COVID. And the flu. <laughs> Bring back. Bring back the flu. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So the military agreed to lend the guns. Again. Of course. November 13th, the military found a degree of success over the first two days with approximately 40 emus killed. <laughs> That's not that many. No, because if they're going by their 50, which I know they said 300 after, but it's only 90 emus. Mm -hmm. However, by this point, the emus had become extremely wary and had figured out the effective range of the Lewis guns. And they often stayed just beyond that range of the guns. They're so smart. How smart is that? They're so smart. The third day, November 15th, was far less successful for the soldiers. But eventually, the continued drought did make the birds frantic for water. So they had to come they closer. because they were fucking dehydrated. Aww. Yeah, their kidneys were screaming. And this is their summertime because their, our winters and summers are opposite. Mm-hmm. Okay. By December 2nd, the soldiers were killing approximately, approximately 100 per week. Meredith was recalled on December 10th, and his report claimed 986 kills with 9,860 rounds at a rate of exactly 10 rounds per confirmed kill. Oh my gosh, no, wait, maybe that's where that statistic comes from. Maybe. Because well, they don't have much ammunition left. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly 10 rounds per confirmed kill. Mm-hmm. Damn, these are some strong birds. Meredith claimed that 2,500 wounded birds had died as, as a result of the injuries that they had sustained. Aww. But the birds could take a hit, like you said. One farmer who chased an emu down on his truck 
found five bullets in the bird's body, which had evidently been there since the very first operation. No way. Yeah. So he was just like running around. With five. I know. It makes me really sad. <laughs> but like, holy shit. Yeah, seriously. Uh-huh. Damn. In assessing the success of the call, an article in the Coolgardie Minor on August 23rd, 1935 reported that although the use of machine guns had been criticized in many quarters, the method proved effective and saved what remained of the wheat. I don't believe it. However, the success was mixed because using the machine guns may have actually exasperated the crop losses since every time the guns were fired, the birds scattered widely, trampling the wheat. I didn't know that, but that, they're so stupid. Yeah. Why wouldn't they, like, herd them out of the wheat? Does. Because they saw them in the wheat field and they're like, open season. Mm-hmm. Wow, what <laughs> idiots. The farmers again requested assistance in 1934, 1943, and 1948, but were turned down by the government. Eventually, the farmers found that rifles were far more effective deterrents than the machine guns, and 284,744 birds were killed in Western Australia between 1945 and 1960. That's a lot. That is a lot. I didn't know that. I mean, it's over... 15 years there, so 200, over 200,000, almost 300,000. But it shows how... Well, even now, like, I mean, obviously they came right back, but... Mm-hmm. I thought I read that by the end of it, their solution was putting... They, like, bought fences for the farmers. Yes. So I think they just kind of made them better, because they did have some fences already. Yeah, but they, like... Mm-hmm. I th- I thought maybe I was wrong. No, maybe. no, no. I did see that as well, that they just... Which is like, why wouldn't that be the first solution? Well, they did have... I think they Even did they have them, them, they just didn't have great fences and they didn't think about improving on them. It just went straight to like, we need to get them out of here and kill them. So. What idiots. Yeah. Safe to say the Aussies lost the Great Emu War, despite the, the casualties. Yeah, honestly, the Emus came back on mm-hmm. top. Yep. And I also read, in 2023, production is scheduled to begin for an action comedy movie retelling the events, written by John Cleese, Monty Franklin, and Rob Schneider. No fucking way, dude. I don't know who Monty Franklin is, to be honest, but John Cleese and Rob Schneider. And Rob Schneider. Hell yeah. Oh my so I gosh. Hope this happened. That's so wild, because we didn't... Yeah. This just randomly came across their lap, in mm-hmm. a sense. Oh my gosh. I think they've so been cool. writing it for a couple years, but production i think is supposed to start this year i hope it does because that would be so funny yeah that's hilarious <sighs> but, but yeah that was all i had oh so that was that was fun it was this was a fun one i'm very grateful for the recommendation so thank you yeah. to shout out to whoever that was i don't I think he'll mind appreciate it shout out tristan thank you thank you tristan or homie but please send more recommendations our way because it's really fun we love it yeah this was funny mm-hmm. i mean obviously like the bird signing is sad but just right. in the sense of like this was actual history so this actually happened mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah. i'm surprised it's not like america doing something like this i know well australia and america i mean same yeah literally the same <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys the for Florida listening to us. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, I think Australia is more like the Florida of the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening. Again, send us topic recommendations or stories that you want us to cover because 
it's a ton of fun. We love it. So let us know. You can email us this at uaqpod at gmail.com. You can DM us on our Facebook page. Can you DM on our Facebook page? Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. Or go you to Messenger. Yes. <laughs> or you can comment on the posts. Don't forget to like and follow our page as Unprofessionals Asking Questions. Yes. You can also go to our Instagram, DM us on there, comment, whatever you want to do. That's uaqpod. What else do we have? We also have a Patreon. We did just recently Yay. set up a donation page because we want to give you guys a better product so we can, you know, improve our quality. We can buy better equipment. Maybe eventually All get around. It. We can maybe eventually get some merch at some point. Merch. Mm-hmm. Um, better access to platforms. Yes. Also, even having different, like, levels of watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you're listening where you can watch later on. I don't know. The, yes. it's, the possibilities are endless. But if you want to support mm-hmm. us and support the show and support better quality of the show. Yes. Then feel free. Um, we know. That not everybody can give. We completely understand, but if you feel inclined, please do so. We definitely appreciate it. Definitely will help us, and it will give you guys better entertainment. So you can go to Patreon.com/uaq. You can donate there. You can just go to Patreon.com and search for us, and you'll find us as well. Mm-hmm. We do have three tiers currently. Our first tier is called the Wanderer, which is a dollar a month. We have our second tier, which is the novice. Yes. Five dollars a month. And, and then the unprofessional. Is unprofessional. So if you want to become an unprofessional, you can donate ten dollars a month. And eventually, like I said, we will hopefully maybe get into some merch for the Patreons, as well as maybe some bonus episodes that you yeah. could listen to. Absolutely. So it's exciting. It is really exciting. We hope you guys are enjoying everything so far. We, we're enjoying it. We're having a ton of fun. So we're learning a lot. We're learning so much. Like I said, I'm a new connoisseur. Now, yeah. I know so much about emus now. It's, it's insane. So thank you guys. We love you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.